I strive to keep communication open and flowing between my stakeholders in the business and my information security leaders in the organization. But I think in the end, my goal is to focus more on the business and coaching and educating them and helping them develop secure solutions and put those in place. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. We are doing an extremely special show today. First of all, I have not one, not two, but three guests. Second of all, all three guests have a very unique role in cybersecurity, one that many of you are not familiar with. These fine folks are all business information security officers, a.k.a. BISOs. We're getting into that role today. What is it, how it works, where its loyalties lie, how to manage it, why it's useful, the whole shooting match. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Matt Winkler, why don't you give us a brief description of what you do as a BISO? Yeah, thanks, Alan. Uh, my name is Matt Winkler. I am a BISO at Equifax. Um, we interface both with uh, technology, the business, and our security organization. So making sure that we're you know getting stuff through the SDLC process, helping sales, and then you know working through like vulnerability counts and all sorts of that stuff. So very cross-functional. Right on. And next on my screen is James Benford. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your BSO role? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a BSO at Humana, and I am the bridge between our uh, large security function and a very AI ML forward business segment. Oh, right on. And Hines, you are a BSO as well. Why don't you tell us a moment about yours? Yes, thank you. Um, I'm a BSO at, or BSO, BSO, at USAA. And um Ditto what they said, but there's also words that kind of pop up quite a bit and are in part of my job description, which is I'm a liaison, a trusted advisor, a consultant, and the $5 word is an ombudsman, right? So really Ooh. just that problem solver that the CISO can kind of send out. Fantastic. I always added the word ambassador, which I guess there is you know, liaison. I always added the ambassador when I was a BSO. I'm the ambassador to the business. Um, all right, so let's dive in and get started here. And I'm just, we're going to kind of round robin as we go through. So, Ann, you're up first. Uh, one of the most important things to know about the BISO role is that it is no, not always the same everywhere you go, right? So uh, if you were to highlight the most important aspect of your role as a BISO, what, what would you say it is? I think it's to act as that trusted advisor, really, that I mentioned. Um, making sure that I stand in the middle between our InfoSec teams and our my business lines of business and the, the executive and leaders there, that they understand security. But then likewise, I'm taking back those business requirements and needs to the security program to inform it and continue to mature it. Right on. All right, we'll go uh, next will be James. What's what's like the biggest highlight, the BSO role for you? What's the biggest highlight? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned that my segment was really AI, ML, and cloud forward. And their goal is really to drive our firm forward and make sure that we continue to transform and modernize across the enterprise. That makes my BSO role interesting because it makes it more technical. I'm more involved with architectural and engineering problems than a lot of BSOs that I work with. Gotcha. Okay. And Matt, how about you? So, uh, yeah, I think for for me, it's, you know, everybody's heard about 2017 at Equifax and the cybersecurity incident. And so it's brought on uh, a lot of due diligence from our customers, especially with a lot of the data that we hold. And so in in my role, there's a lot of um, customer and business heavy functions. So 
you know, you sort of mentioned that uh, some folks have, you know, almost salesy type role. I wouldn't quite go as far as that, but sometimes I do say, yeah, I sell security for Equifax. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's exactly it. So we, we see this kind of wide variety and I'll, I'll tell you all now, like I, I have managed BISO teams as a CISO. Um, and it's funny, we mentioned BISO, BISO, it's just like CISO, CISO, like apparently we can't settle on pronouncing either role. Um, but I've been a BISO and I've managed BISOs both. And when I was a BISO, I was at uh, Pearson Education and I ran the digital products. Uh, I was the security interface into the digital products group, which was at the time, like any of the online education stuff, same kind of role that, that James has, I think more. I was interfacing with engineering, CTO, a lot of very technical stuff, um, trying to work with that team to make sure that security was represented in what they were doing and their needs were represented in the security team. So kind of back and forth the ambassador role. So we all have slightly different experiences than as BSO, and that's an important thing. I think a lot of people think the role is just one thing, and it's not just one thing. Um, so that brings us to, and we'll start with James on this one. What should CISOs know about managing a BISO? Like, like what is it, you know, every CISO has BISOs. If they have BISOs, it's usually the CISO they report to, but not every CISO does have a BISO. And there's a lot of CISOs I talk to who are thinking about starting a BISO program. So how should CISOs go about managing a BISO? We'll start with you. Yeah, I think the number one thing is knowing what you're trying to get out of the role as a CISO. If you don't have a very clear perspective of what you're trying to get out of your BISOs, the role can be, there's just so much variation. It, it can take on its own life. Um, I think most programs start with their BISOs. You, know, you, you send your BISOs out and say, hey, just make sure that security happens and you're going to be in great shape and everybody's going to be happy. You have to figure out how you're going to mature that because that path can take you anywhere. So, and I see that's when, when I talk to other BISOs, that's one of the struggles, especially new BISOs and new organizations. I actually don't know what my CISO wants from me. Yeah. Okay. Matt, how about you? I, I like that because I think it's, for me, it's about what challenges are you trying to solve here? So, you know, if they're thinking of, of starting up a BISO program or they have one that they're trying to, to mature, it's like, what is it that you're trying, what problems are you trying to solve? And then sort of work backwards from there. Um, do you want like a mini CISO for the business unit? Do you want more of an ambassador? Like the, the differences in the way, in the problems that you have will help you solve what um, different tools you want to employ and how you deploy them. Right on. Anna, what's your take on it? Yeah, a little bit different. I mean, I don't disagree with, with what you guys are saying. I think it's more, um, I would say for CISOs that are trying to uh, launch a BISO program or that they have BISOs is don't hesitate to delegate and use your BISO, right? Because I feel like at USA, it has gone from more of a, you know, we want them to be an ambassador, but I'm hearing more and more the mini CISO, right? So it's kind of, you know, it's maturing, it's evolving a little bit. And I think, you know, it's the relative, BISO is a relatively new role in some companies and sectors. So CISOs may not be experienced or um, fully comfortable in delegating some of the things that they do to Abisso. So really getting to know their Abisso and what their capabilities are and then start delegating some of that work is going to free them up to address some of the other things that they just simply haven't had time to address. Yeah, I, I, I like that piece because, I've you know, folks have come to me before about I want to become a CISO and what's the best path there. And I always tell them the two best paths I know of are deputy CISO, which is hard to get, uh, and BISO, which is a little more common, um, but equally in my mind, you know, sort of adjunct to the CISO. Uh, I think both paths are really good forward paths to get there. And, and you know, it's interesting how many CISOs I get coming to me just now starting their first BISO program. I, I've literally consulted with probably half a dozen CISOs in the last year 
on, hey, I understand you've done the BSO thing. How do I how do I do that? Calling me for tips on how to how to do that. So this is great feedback for the you know the CISOs that are considering the program as well as I think anybody that wants to be a CISO one day. I think BSO is a great 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 place. Um, so when I was a BSO uh, and when I led BSO teams, one of the rules I put forth was this: the BSO should be more loyal to the business and their stakeholders than they are to the CISOs organization. Now, that's the advice I actually give when CISOs call me and say, how should I manage my business, you know, my BISOs? You want them to be representatives of the business into you more than they are representatives of you into the business is what I tell every CISO. Now, that's a loaded kind of thing right there, um, you know, and I don't want anybody to get into a career-limiting, you know, corner here. But what's your take on that? Like, like you know, loyalties can swing on either side of that fence and there's value in representing the business to me. And that's why I always tell people, let your BSOs be business forward. Uh, why don't we start with, uh, Matt, let's start with you on this one. Yeah. I, so I think it's always tough to try to balance your different stakeholders and, you know, making sure that they're, you know, as happy as they can be. We're not going to always be able to make everybody happy. And sometimes we have to stand, take a stance on one side of the fence or the other. Um, you know, sometimes we're working on more uh, technical items and you've got to lean harder into the the CISO camp. Sometimes, you know, especially, you know, where I'm at, where we're working on, you know, business deals and contracts and trying to sell security. I, I do, I lean very heavily into the business uh, and try to, you know, hey, how can we change the way that this control works or is represented or is codified? Because that will change the way that our customers or regulators or auditors or whatever perceive it. And that will, you know, open up a new market or help us close this, you know, huge partnership deal or whatever. And so you're absolutely right in sort of like representing one for the other. I do find myself definitely leaning more into the, the business side sometimes though. Right on. How about you, James? All risks being equal, I definitely agree, right? I mean, when it comes to something like something that adds friction like MFA, it, sorry, business, of course you have to do that. But if we're talking about a sort of a risk neutral or close to risk neutral approach, it's all about balancing the business's needs versus what security wants, right? At the end of the day, if you're a BSO, you're already part of a very large security organization that's probably hitting your business on the head on a regular basis with security stuff. And as a, you know, what value do you add as a BSO if you're just one more security voice pounding on the table? You have to, you have to represent the business first wherever you can. Oh, that's brilliant. All right, Ann, what's your take? Um, I hesitate to use loyal. <laughs> I, I think it's, I, I think in the end, you know, we all work for the same company and my goal is to do what's best for the company and our members. So with that said, I strive to keep communication open and flowing between my stakeholders in the business and my information security leaders in the organization. Um, there is times, as we all know, where the business is moving in a direction or at a pace that InfoSec is not always comfortable with. <laughs> and that's when you start talking about controls, how we can flex this control, what's the intent of the control, you know, can we do something a little different and still meet the intent and, and that sort of thing. But I think um, in the end, my goal is to focus more on the business and coaching and educating them and helping them develop secure uh, solutions and put those in place. Um, because we are here, to, you know, I, I try not to use the phrase enable the business, but in the end, we're here because they're here. 
It's not the other way around, right? So, um, and we need to come to them with with a good story too. If we're, if we're asking them to put certain controls or, or or to go slower or to not do a certain thing, we need to have facts and not feelings and get away from the FUD, you know? And I think that at, in the security, uh, just on our history, we've been able to rely on FUD a lot. And we're getting to the point where business leaders they want data. They want data points. They want real facts. They don't want a bunch of feelings. Facts, not feelings is a super important part of all of this to me. Uh, but let's pause there real quick for a word from our sponsor. It's my old alma mater, TrustMap. Is your cybersecurity team buried in spreadsheets? TrustMap provides the data, insights, and tools you need to make informed decisions about your cybersecurity strategy while reducing manual effort by up to 70%. Get your free board reporting toolkit and schedule a demo at TrustMap.com today. That's T-R-U-S-T-M-A-P-P.com. No, I agree. And I think it goes both directions, right? Because the CISO, you know, I've, I've been in the role where I came up with what I thought was this brilliant security control to address this business-wide risk. And I, and I announced to the BISO, I was like, this is what we're going to roll out. And they go and talk to their people and come back with, yeah, no. <laughs> Turns out CISO had a crazy idea that's completely at odds with how the revenue generating streams are like, as the CISO, I want that feedback. I need that agent deep into the business territory to come back to me and say, that may work in this silo and that silo and that be you and that be you. But over here, like that's going to break us, like literally break us. And and that's a conversation that needs to be held. And I want that input from the BISO so badly. And to me, that's part of the value of the role is keeping me from making stupid decisions as the CISO. I mean, that you know, because you can you can blindly to, to your point, why are they here? You know, we're here because they're here, not the other way around. Right. That's a great way to put it in, because. To me, I can I can get my security hammer and I can just go bludgeon the business with it, or I can actually cooperate with the business and, and learn from them and grow and we'll co-author solutions. And if the organization's big enough, every BU's got a different set of interests. And without the BSOs, I'm I'm trying to do all that by myself. There's no way. A CISO's already got five thousand things to juggle, and now on top of that, you have to be intimately familiar with each business unit's business. Like it's just not it's not viable to me. Impossible. Yeah. And you're 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 right about the the BU. The business unit differentiation is important there too, because I know for like USA, we're we're in the financial sector, but that means a lot of different things, right? Insurance, investments, banking, all of which have very different regulatory environments, right? So that really drives what kind of security solutions, you know, what their appetite is. So you really have to be able to have that understanding and uh, having a BISO in that role and to be able to go out into like your banking or your investment or you know, if you're in retail, you've got lots of different product lines, you know, those kinds of things, they get, they're able to get more into more intimate discussions with the business leaders and really understand what's acceptable and what's not when it comes to uh, the pace and what kind of security controls would be acceptable in that area. Yeah. And, and I can see the opposite flow happening too, where the business unit, you know, whatever they're, they're, there's a new business unit spins up and they're up against new regulations they're proactively coming to the BISO saying, hey, you got to go to the CISO and let them know, like, we have to go get this kind of thing done, this certification, this attestation, this whatever it might be. It, it's it's about, I think, it, it, it puts us in a really great position because we have a unique perspective in really understanding both. We're subject matter expert in the business and a subject matter ex, subject matter expert in security. And I think it makes us really good problem solvers because we can sort of take the perspective of, of both and and 
bounce those two up against each other and hopefully come up with a more high fidelity solution, having both of those perspectives. I love that. James, what's your take on that? I one? totally agree. I mean, the interesting, the interesting thing about the BISA role beyond that, you've got to be a subject matter expert in two places. You've got to be a psychiatrist, psychologist, consultant, technician, a very unique space indeed. Yep. I, I love it. And I think the role is so valuable. I'm, I'm hoping one of the things that happens is we'll release this show and more CISOs will reach out to me about, hey, I want to launch a BISO program. Like, I want to see this happening in the industry because I think I think your role is is so absolutely valuable. Um, that being said, we, you know, I, I briefly mentioned deputy CISO versus BISO, you know, stepping stones to CISO. I'm curious. Uh, and, and we'll start with uh, we'll start with James on this one. Um do you want to become a CISO? Do you see this as a stepping stone? Are you are you learning the skills you think you need to make CISO? Like like are you seeing the corollary? Yeah, when I mean when it comes to uh, whether this role will lead to a CISO role in the future, I sure hope so. Fingers are very crossed. <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at the role, we're flexing our strategic thinking, we're building relationships, flexing influence skills. You have to do that to be successful in the role, um, and you combine that with what's effective with the ownership of a big chunk of the organization's security program. I feel like you've really got the building blocks for a successful future CISO. Um, interestingly, I'm seeing other patterns for the role. In particular, it's being used as a pivot point for, you know, I've seen former CISOs interested in a BISO role to pivot into another CISO role or into a larger industry or into another vertical. So there's hope for this role, even if you've already been in the CISO role. You know, there's a lot of value. Oh, you know, I didn't think about that, but I was CISO, then BISO, then CISO again. I, I actually followed that exact pattern. I wasn't even thinking about that. My, my BISO role was between two CISO roles. And I jumped into a much larger organization, different vertical, different opportunity to learn a lot of things. And that's why I took the role. So that's, that's a, it's a really good point. I've done that myself. So, Ann, what's, what, what's your take on that? You want to be a CISO? And if so, do you feel like you're on the right trajectory? Are the skills there? Are you learning what you need to learn? You know, when I grow up, I, I do want to be, I, I, I used to say no, but I have no desire to be a CISO. That's not going to happen for me in my career. It's, it's not something I was actively pursuing. But now that I've been in this role a few years, I'm like, sure, why not? I could do that. And because like you said, James, it, you're, you're exercising all the right skill sets. You're, you're seeing things at a broader view. You're, you know, you're up a little higher. You can see out further and you realize the art of the possible, right? So it's, is it possible? Sure. If the right opportunity presented itself, absolutely. Um, I do think the BISA role is a good, solid stepping stone for for that kind of a role. Fantastic. Matt, what's your take? So for me, I think this is one of the the paths that's still on the table. I think me, I have had a, an experience sort of exactly opposite of, of Anne's where I, I, was dead on the path to CISO. Like that was what I wanted to do. This was a stepping stone to that and like, go, go, go. And my, because I, I, I wanted to do security, you know, like it was security, security leader, like charge full steam ahead. And it was my um, experience at my last organization and here in the BISO role that have given me a new perspective in the business side of things that, I had a little taste of it previously, but I've had to lean into that a lot harder here. And it that new perspective has sort of opened my eyes and and made me realize that, you know, like uh, the other two have said, we have a lot of those skills. 
a lot of them are transferable into other roles as well. And, and so it's, it's sort of more than anything opened up other opportunities for me that I didn't think I previously had. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I would echo that. I think the things that I'm seeing now are opportunities in the business and thinking about what perspective could you bring with the security background and the IT background to a pure business role, or even in the second line risk area of, of a business, that would be something where you'd be able to bring value. Especially as every company sort of continues this move to becoming a tech company of some kind, right? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Um, but Anne said a word risk that I want to drill into here for a minute. Um, my experience with the bigger shops is that there's generally an ERM. There's an enterprise risk management team and that the CISO may or may not be a member of that board, but certainly not the head of that board. There's a chief risk officer that's in charge of all business risk and cyber is just a component there. Um, but at the business unit level where you guys are operating, do you see yourself uh, taking on a, like an ownership role of risk? Do you guys see yourself sort of interfacing with an existing risk team? Is it just simply part and parcel of the CISO's apparatus? Like, I'm getting nods here. We'll start, we'll start with Matt. Like, what's your relationship with the risk team at the BU level where you operate? Yeah. So we have, you know, obviously sort of uh, the GRC function within our global security organization. And we interface a lot with them. They roll up through the CISO. Uh, we also have, as you said, an ERM that is very cross-functional. So cuts across um, legal, finance, security. You know, we're really looking at everything here. And uh, the, the BSO team has representatives uh, on that uh, enterprise risk management committee to sort of represent the BU security risks and, and be that subject matter expert there. Um, for us, um, we... The, the way that we've designed things are more risk advisors and consultants than risk owners. Certainly on some decisions, um, security owns the risk, but more often than not, there's a decision maker outside of security about, you know, again, as, as we are um, only here, like Ann said, we are only here because of the business. They at Equifax sort of drive that. And so we are very much looking to them to say, is this our risk as a business that we are willing to take? We advise them. And then a decision is driven by the, the business needs um, as well as the security risk. Cool. Uh, and what's your, what's your relationship with risk? I would say it's, it's pretty similar to Matt's. I work closely with the first line uh, business risk folks within the USA, within my lines of business that I support, but as well as, engaging with our second line risk at the enterprise or, or through the, the business unit or line of business. And um, we also don't own risk. I would say it's nine times out of 10 security is not going to own the risk. It's going to be the business. And if they're going to, if they're wanting to pursue something that we would maybe advise against or um, at a pace that we might advise against, then there's a discussion about risk acceptance and documenting that and that sort of thing, because ultimately they own the risk. Very much the same. We don't own the risk. We consult on it, um, make recommendations. Ultimately, it's the business's decision what risks to take. All right, last question, and this one's going to be a, a multi-part. So answer whichever parts you feel like. Um, your advice on the BSO role, this could be advice for somebody wanting to first walk in and get it. 
um, you know, your, your thoughts about the role in general, um, anything you've got, your tips about BSOing, open floor. Let's start with you. Yeah, whether or not you're interested in the BSO role, if you've got an opportunity and you're curious whether or not it's the right role for you, um, if you're comfortable driving change through others, great role for you. If you are not and you're looking for a role with a lot of authority, that's typically not the BSO role. So this is a great role for consultants and technically minded folks who are really good at driving change by influencing others. Right on. Kind of a, almost the, the same um, structure as a, as a project manager, right? Like where you're, you're, you're on the big borrow, steal cycles of other people's time program to get it all done. But if you're an influencer, you will right. get it all done. Right on. How about you, Ann? Any tips about BSOing? How to get in, how to do it, anything? Yeah, I think three things kind of come to mind for me. Think broadly. Um, me, by that, I mean, seek a variety of, of information security experiences, right? It, it's, you could do the role if you just, you know, you came up and you were SecOps, you know, dedicated. But having that kind of um, time spent in maybe each of the roles or a variety of the roles that, are, that make up the information security universe um, is going to be helpful. It's going to build, you know, that compassion, that empathy, you know, you're going to kind of get where they're coming from when you're asking people to do things and you kind of, you, you'd be able to get it. Um, I think also there's, um, when I say think broadly, think about your education when it comes to not just being maybe computer science specific or, or infosec or, or yeah, information security specific, but also business, right? Do you want to pursue a, you know, a bachelor's degree in management or an MBA even, uh, that that could be something that's going to be useful for you and be able to, to you know speak the speak that you need to with the business, um, and then focus right. So things are moving fast in both InfoSec and the business. So it's it's not enough, I think, to be a continuous learner anymore. You have to be a strategic learner nowadays. You have to really pick and choose. You don't have time to do everything. You need to pick and choose the things that are going to you know that your business uh, needs and where you feel like you might be lacking. You want to be very strategic there. And then finally, just keep an open mind. Um, we're used to, I think, as security folks, being more draconian in our approach. So you can't do that. You have to have an open mind when you're going to talk with the business and and they're coming to you with these ideas for new products, new services, um, how fast they're going to roll them out, what platforms they're going to roll them out on. You have to be able to be open-minded and have a, a, a collaborative discussion. How about you, Matt? So uh, I think the way that I would think about this, I'm going more towards the, the you know, advice for folks who might think about um, starting a BSO program. So for me, you know, I, I think James hit it, hit the nail on the head, like as every company starts to become sort of a tech company, but I think even more in B2B companies, I see the BSO program as an extreme competitive advantage. And so... There are some CISOs out there that I think should consider a BSO program, but I think there are, you know, probably not the listeners of this podcast, but good business leaders who should be encouraging their CISO to start uh, a BSO program. And, and you know, I, I want to try to figure out how to reach them because they're the ones to, to talk to about this, to, to say, you know, hey, we need that advisor, that problem solver, that somebody that understands sort of both sides of things. And, you know, I, it's, it's the confluence of those that, you know, sort of gets us to the, the sort of tagline that, that, uh, our security program has come to. It's good security is good for the bottom line. You know, if, if we can help 
um, you know, open up new markets. Oh, this market is, is HIPAA regulated. If we can get HIPAA compliant, then bam, whole new market for, for us, or, you know, whatever those security stage gates are, you know, we can help on, on the revenue side. Um, but then, you know, as we start to try to drive down risk and try to work through, um, you know, helping folks automate things in the right way. How do we try to provide efficiencies that then help the bottom line as well? I love it. So I'm going to ask you all one question. Uh, and just for the guests, we uh, we all prepped on questions here like we always do for the show. But I'm going to I got one surprise question, which I just thought of shouldn't be a big deal. Um, and I'll start with Ann. Just what do you feel like you use more in your daily, daily life, InfoSec skills or business skills? Probably business skills. Okay. James? I'm right there in the middle. Right in the middle. All right. How about you, Matt? I think it's business more than I do security. There's lots of security, but it it leans more business. And sometimes that hurts. It hurts your yeah. It hurts your, your most set fast. Bad <laughs> practitioner. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. And this is CISOs go through this same thing. I always tell people like like you know way back when you start as a whatever a SOC analyst, and one day you become the manager of the SOC. There's this pivotal transition where your team is coming to you with this big, important security thing that we have to deal with right away. And now you as the manager have to go, you know what? We're not going to deal with that one right away. Well, why is that? Because I, as the manager, am privy to these other business concerns and budget constraints and da-da-da-da-da-da, and we're going to table that one for now. And the individual contributor is freaked out that their manager is not just pushing for security on every front, on every cylinder at every time. And as you progress through your career, I think that happens more and more often. The more you become aware of the business the easier it is to say, you know what, we can table that one specific security concern right now because we have higher level business concerns. And so I think BISOs go through that. I think CISOs go through that. I think it's a natural progression as you go through your career, that particular one. Yeah, I think it's you you get you have to decide which hills to charge and which ones you're willing to die on. It it's I think it's even it's it's that transferable skill that you deal with even as a SOC analyst. You've got all these alerts coming in and you have to figure out how do I triage, prioritize, and address each of those? It, it happens in so many roles, but but like you said, it's it's as you become aware of the things outside of security, all of a sudden you you fold those in, and it's it's a whole new perspective to to take and a whole new set of prioritization uh, that now you know, like you said, some of the folks don't see that and and. I, I spend a lot of time with my team trying to teach them exactly like you said. It's like, hey, you know, let me sort of give you a little glimpse into the broader picture and kind of tell you all the things we're juggling. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you try. When you start, you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And then you get more tools in your toolbox as you move up and your lens gets wider. And you start to see that you have a wider toolkit. And that some of your tools are more damaging and dangerous if you use them wrong than they were before, right? So, right, right. That's a that's a great metaphor. I like that hammering hammering on screws with a nail and uh, or with a hammer and you know slipping and cracking someone's thumb. All right, well, folks, Ann, James, Matt, thank you guys so much for coming on down to the ranch, the Biso Bonanza. We're going to call this show. I uh, I love it. I thank you very much, all three of y'all. These are brilliant insights. This is going to help the community. I, I want CISOs who are thinking about Biso programs to listen to this show. I want people that are thinking about becoming Bisos to to listen to this show. I think I think this is going to be a great value add to the community. So thank y'all very much. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. 